0: Welcome to the TSN MMA show. We're doing something new. Well, two things that are sort of new. One thing is that Joe's back. Happy to have Joe you back. See it's, been, face. it's been like two two months since we've uh, yeah. since we've last talked.
1: Well, it's nice to see you. Our hair's a little bit longer, a little different setting, but still that nice plaid shirt that I I missed for two months. Yeah, yeah
0: I wore a special for you. I figured. Uh, I know you did. You, you missed seeing the, the the gingham shirt. This isn't plaid. This is gingham.
1: Okay, sorry. A
0: little gingham but style for Something's
1: you. missing on your end. I got my coffee. This is our tradition. I hope I got, you got, no, I, got I got my iced
0: coffee here. Ah, uh, all right. All right. It, that's it looks, our tradition. It, it looks like an energy drink, but I guess coffee technically is an energy drink. Now, we're referencing a lot of things on camera, even though uh, the show's going to be audio. But, you know, we would have done the same if we were in the studio together, so why not? But, uh, that's Joe, it's it nice, nice to see your face. It looks like you got, you got a haircut. Your hair always looks so clean. No. It's impossible never. you didn't get a haircut. I not got
1: one yet. No, i didn't. myself. Come on, that's impossible. I swear to you, I zero haircuts. I've been using the good old get my own scissors and chopping away. So I try to do just around the baseline. That's the only thing saving me.
0: I thought the two things that you would be able to not give up during this quarantine is the gym and yeah. getting a haircut. And you have your own gym, so you can go to the gym.
1: Yeah, but getting a haircut nice. is
0: the tricky part. But I, I knew you'd look fresh.
1: Yeah, no, I, this is not fresh. I'm actually stressed out about it. It looks great. I literally, every few days, I try to chop away, but I think I like the longer sides coming in. It looks good. You know, as, as the top starts thinning out, you know, we've got to keep the sides going a little longer. So I think I'm going to keep it. Maybe not those bald fades anymore. Change it up.
0: Well, I, it doesn't look like you've put on the quarantine 15, as people are calling it. Uh, Rob oh, Font yeah. definitely has. I spoke to Rob Font yesterday. You should go on YouTube. Rob Font looks like he's, like, walking around at a buck 75.
1: And he's come back from knee surgery yeah, too, exactly. right? Rehabbing. So add that on. Less less calories being burnt. Yeah, they put that quarantine. Have you put on weight? What have you been doing?
0: Ah, uh, probably not much. I, my my weight doesn't fluctuate much, even if like I haven't been eating better. Today I ate, like I ate like micro uh, frozen pizza for lunch, and I nice. had uh, the Jewish staple bagels, lux and cream cheese for breakfast. So lots of All carbs. Right. Not the jovi. A one. little
1: salmon. Did you do the salmon? Yeah, yeah, cream cheese yeah. yeah the lux, okay. yeah.
0: Smoked salmon. All right. Yeah, it's good That's stuff.
1: That's the fest- that's the tradition.
0: Yeah. So uh, why don't we talk a little UFC 249 because it, it was yeah. one hell of a card. Extremely Amazing. exciting. Uh, and that main event, I mean, just, I, want you, I want to hear it from you. Justin Gaethje's improvements. Walk me through how he's changed from being a, a, a pure action fighter like he was before to where he's at now.
1: Well, I think the biggest difference we saw with him is in those later rounds. And uh, you did hear the line Trevor Whitman say was like, take 10% off of the shot which was the key line. And I think that was the key takeaway from Gaethje. And um, it was just perfect to see him. And in the first few rounds, I honestly didn't think he did well because he was overthrowing his punches still, which he tends to do. But in that fourth and fifth round, he used the jab well, closed. I just thought he fought perfect in those later rounds. And I think his ability to use his jab, set up his shots was phenomenal. I mean, we knew it was going to be exciting. I, I just, it was great. I thought that excitement from start to finish. Uh, Ferguson brought it, even though I mean he had the broken orbital, and they just it lived up to the hype in my eyes.
0: A hundred percent. I actually think it could have been more entertaining than that, but it was still incredible. Like like if you were if you were to give a ten out of ten, I think the Alvarez and Poirier fights were a ten out of ten for excitement. This was probably more of like a nine point three out of ten. So it's still yeah. still an A plus.
1: Do you think no audience took away the excitement of the fight? Not so? at all.
0: In fact, I think it added to the Gaethje. Well, it's hard to say it would add because Gaethje and Ferguson with a crowd, that that exact fight with the crowd would have been amazing. But without the crowd, the, you could hear just how hard those punches were that Gaethje was landing. Not that that gave a different element that you wouldn't have gotten yeah. if there was a crowd. So you've got to kind of take okay. the good with the
1: bat. I got goosebumps every time you can hear the sound. And this is what people try to tell me like in kickboxing and being a commentator – one of the best things you'll get from being that close live is the sound of the impact. And to me, nothing beats two heavyweight kickboxers. You I mean, you think Rico Verhoeven kicking someone off the arms and the sound is just incredible. I mean, I think that's what we got from the No audience, and I loved it. I loved that sound. I got more of that feeling like when you're live and you're up close and you see someone almost get a knockout or one of those shots hit, like one of those Gatesy shots on Ferguson's head. If you see that live, like you almost cringe on how how that man is still standing. So, I mean, I just you heard that extra impact and I liked it.
0: Well, I have a feeling we'll probably see glory in front of an empty arena at some point this year. So we'll really get to experience that when it comes to kickboxing. If you really want to hear yeah. loud strikes, is is that in the plans? I mean, I don't know if you can even reveal that. It's probably inside information.
1: Well, it, I think they're working on it. I think everyone, the whole world is seeing the UFC's whole protocol and the steps they're doing it. But just from watching a lot of the behind the scenes, it's just so much involved in it. And I think you have to be a huge organization to pull something off like this at this time.
0: Yeah, the UFC, it looks like they really... Um, Put everything in place possible to make it a safe thing. I, you know, Dana White called the Jacare situation and the way they handle it a home run. I keep saying it's a triple. I think they did a lot of things right in that situation. Uh, but the reason why it's not a full home run, in my opinion, is as soon as Jacare comes in on the Wednesday and discloses that he has a family member that is COVID nineteen positive, I think you scrap the fight right there and then. I think you put out a release and you can look like real heroes. You can look really good in the eyes of, uh, of from a PR standpoint if you go out and you say. Listen, a fighter of ours came. He disclosed that he was with a family member that had COVID-19. And out of an abundance of caution, we've decided to scratch that fight from the card. We're going to pay both of the competitors. uh, But just in the interest of safety, we've decided to uh, take uh, proactive measures in that case. Instead of making the guy weigh in, making him stand at a distance from uh, Uriah Hall at the weigh-ins. like Why do that whole song and dance when you know that there's a probability that he could be uh, positive more than uh, the other fighters?
1: i'm also curious how far in advance did he know like if he knew this in advance like wouldn't this have been something to not even put him on the card in the first place
0: yeah well i think what happens is as you know the fighters don't make a ton of money and i think that they want to get paid by any means necessary and if he would have called a week in advance and said listen i've got a family member that's covid19 positive um you know maybe they just say well don't come and then yeah he, yeah, he might not get anything as opposed to coming weighing in. Now that he's made the weight, he's probably going to get his show money. Um, so he he gets paid basically by not having to fight. But at the same time, he might he might have jeopardized a whole bunch of people. Uh, that being said, he drove to the event from Orlando. He wasn't on a plane, so that that's a positive because that could have been a real disaster if he was like on a plane yeah. with a bunch of people.
1: But I, I mean, at least they they're holding it well in that they're taking accountability. And I think that just watching all the fighters uh, that I follow. The, the chronic testing is insane. The fact that these guys have to literally get the swab down the nose, you know, every day, it's, it's, they're doing the right steps. I mean, you got to give Dana White and the UFC a lot of credit the way they're handling it. And I think a lot of the stuff they're doing is more for the illusion of um, the audience showing that they're doing it. Like how they can have the commentators in the opens talking next to each other, then have to separate for the fights. I thought that was a little, a little odd. But, uh, yeah, I I honestly and truly forgot that there was no crowds at one point. Um, From a production standpoint, the blacking out of the audience, so you don't even know they're there. But I think the sound elevated the quality of it. And I still think it's weird hearing corners trying to give instruction with muffled masks and and that kind of fun stuff. But I don't know. I I thought overall it was perfect.
0: Well, you've got Arlovsky, got Arlovsky on the card this Wednesday. Do you think they have like a twisty swab that they can use to get up that nose?
1: Yeah, that was my other thing. Most fighters have deviated septums. Like, how are they getting the nose in? Like, there's no way now, especially after Kelvin Cater's fight, like, they can't stick a swab in that nose. What are you doing?
0: You know that game at the X where you have, like, the, the thing that goes around the, uh, I guess it's the rod that goes around the thing and you, and and you don't have touches? to touch it. Yeah, that's like, what, that's like the, what you need to do with Arlovsky's nose. You got to make sure you're getting, getting around all the curves. Uh, what, what's it like with you, if, when you when you do those games, carnival games, and you lose? Do you get really angry about that?
1: I don't know. I never really played them, to be honest. I'm not a carnival guy. guy. (laughs) Well, I'm competitive one, but uh, growing up, we weren't allowed to play them at home. My parents didn't let us waste money on playing games and activities like that, so we weren't allowed to play games. And then when I got older, I was like, eh. I mean, unless I guess you take your date to CNE and you have to impress her or something, but uh, I know they're rigged. I know they're rigged, so I don't get too upset.
0: Joe, you got into a ring with other men and and tried to beat them within an inch of their life. I don't think you need to play carnival games to impress
1: women. <laughs> I'll try. All these all this working out better do something.
0: Jeez. Look at this guy. He thinks look at that look at that face. Look at look at those arms. You think that you Come need on. to you need to, to do carnival games to impress women? I, I yeah, need to do have. car I need to step up my carnival games. Uh I actually used to operate the carnival games at Wonderland. I think we've discussed that before.
1: I can see you have the I think you have a good voice for it.
0: Yeah, but this was like 16 or 17-year-old me. It's not the same thing.
1: Uh Uh-huh. All right. There's your calling eventually. We'll get you back. Yeah,
0: get back. Yeah, I think that's probably a bit of a step down from what I do now.
1: Uh, I always said I should be the the weight-guessing guy. Since I've been around fighting for so long, I can kind of look at someone and be like, ah, you're about this weight. So if anything, I'm doing the weight-guessing.
0: I did that, and I was really good at it. I was really good at the guess your weight.
1: I always wanted to do it. I'm like, they can never guess my weight. Never guess my weight. I feel like I got dense bones or something.
0: I can guess it. I can guess it within three pounds right now.
1: Well, oh, you know me. That's why now, yeah. no? You're at 200, no, I'm a, I'm 209 pounds. That's pretty good. I would say I'm about that. Yeah, you're pretty good. Look
0: at that. I, I haven't lost a beat. It's been how many well, you years a lot, I 21 years? weight.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna put on a little bit of weight so you can tell. Yeah, I'm probably about two oh nine. You're probably right. I'm Jeez. not even getting
0: the full body of work, I'm just getting the top half and I can guess it. Look at that. Yeah, good job. Yeah, unless somebody cut your torso off from the bottom like in Mortal Kombat style. I I figured that 209 would be a good uh, a good a good gauge. So, uh, pretty Ga- damn good. Yeah, so Gage is the interim champion now. The, the thing that that um I, I really respected about him uh, was his respect, how much he respected Ferguson, because he he hurt Ferguson badly, and he refused to go in for the kill because he knew that Ferguson was still a dangerous opponent. He knew not to let his guard down, he knew not to make mistakes, and that was the key, was not making mistakes. He said that to me in the post-fight uh, interview that we did. He said my, you know, the strategy was don't make mistakes, and he didn't. I mean, can you think of a single mistake other than I guess he took that uppercut in the second round? I don't know what the mistake that was made there was, but he really minimized the amount of mistakes that he made. He actually landed with higher accuracy than he has in any other fight, and it was the most strikes he's actually landed in any other fight. So this was just a virtuoso performance for the guy.
1: Yeah, let me ask you, there's two things I've been hearing, um, kind of just following up on that. Um, A lot of people are kind of discrediting Gaethje saying it was a really bad night for Ferguson. What do you think?
0: I disagree. I I disagree completely. I'm sure it wasn't a perfect night for Ferguson, but here's the thing about Ferguson, and I really don't want to put him down in any way, shape, or form, but if you look at the 12-fight win streak, how many of the guys that he's beaten are top five guys? Like, go back and look at it. One. I mean, that's the truth of the matter. One. It, Rafael Dos Angeles, the time that he beat him. That's the only top five guy that he beat during that win streak. And I'm not trying to diminish the win streak. Winning 12 in a row in the lightweight division, no matter who you beat, as long as they're ranked fighters, like you're, you're going through murderer's row. But of the guys that he beat, none of them were top five at the time that he beat yeah. them.
1: And it's just still disappointing for, for Ferguson, after going through that 12-fight win streak, to lose the interim title that now puts him back at a real title shot. Because that's someone who you got to think – with a streak like that, probably deserved that title shot if all those things with Khabib didn't fall out. And
0: you can say the same thing about Khabib. Like, of the top five fighters that he beat, outside of Connor and Poirier recently, maybe Barboza? Like, he wasn't beating the cream of the crop either in his 12-fight win streak. So I'm not, trying to get, I'm not trying to put Ferguson down. But when you start fa- facing those tough opponents, especially if you're not really tested for a long time, because when was the last time that Ferguson had a really tough test? Um, and yeah. again, it's not about his, his most recent opponents They're all great fighters But when, when has he fought a really elite fighter? It's been a long time And he's getting older He's 36 years old now And he would if he would have beaten Khabib If that fight would have happened He would have been the oldest uh, lightweight champion ever Not to mention, I've always said that I thought that Connor and Gaethje were worse matchups For Ferguson than Khabib Because at least with, with Khabib You're almost guaranteeing you're going to get to use your grappling
1: Yeah, yeah But a lot of people now, after they're seeing Gaethje's performance, now they respect that how good Gaethje is. And now you're hearing from, I don't know, I think Ferguson's going to be the toughest uh, test for Khabib. Now everybody's saying, you know, Gaethje's going to be the toughest fight. I don't know. I think people just recently, but uh, you've almost said that from the start that you thought Gaethje could have been one of the most challenging.
0: Yeah, and… I still think is a, a better, uh, worse matchup for Khabib than Gaethje, honestly. I, I do. But at the same time, I think that if Gaethje can keep it on the feet for even a little bit of time, and Ayakinta was able to do that with lower wrestling credentials than Gaethje has, Gaethje hits just a lot harder than Al Ayakinta. You don't see Al Ayakinta scoring like one-punch knockouts like Gaethje does. Gaethje's got yeah. bricks in his hands. So if he can keep the fight on the feet for any duration of time, he's always going to have a chance. And look, his power translated into the fifth round. That's when he got the finish.
1: Yeah, but like I said, though, what impressed me about Gaethje was him not overthrowing those power shots in the later rounds. That's the kind of strategy you got to take with Khabib in the earlier few rounds. Because if you're going to overswing and miss a shot on Khabib, that's a wrestler's dream, man. As soon as you miss a punch, the wrestlers grab you and you're off the off your back. So I think what we saw in those later two rounds at uh, of Gaethje, if he continues that, man... He's going to give a lot of people a tough time. And I actually love more than the Kibbe fight. I like that Conor stepped out and started calling him out. Because to me, that's a more of an exciting matchup. Because you get more you know, brutal strikers against each other.
0: Yeah, the, uh, the Conor uh, went full ether yesterday. I said, do you know that reference? Oh, you don't know that reference. You don't know music. But uh, ether was the, the diss track that Nas recorded back in the, the, the late 90s against Jay-Z. One of the most legendary diss tracks. And, yeah, Conor went full ether yesterday. Just ripping everybody at the top of that division.
1: Oh yeah, what do you think? What do you think Connor's next move is?
0: Well, before we found out about Ferguson's uh, fractured orbital, I thought that was the fight to make because if you take Connor against Ferguson, think about it this way: you've got these are the outcomes of that possibility. If you have Connor versus Ferguson, you've got Connor beating Ferguson, and then it's going to be Connor versus Gaethje or Connor versus Habib. Or you mm-hmm. have Ferguson beating Connor, and then you've got Ferguson versus Gaethje too, or Ferguson versus Khabib. So in, in every scenario there, the fans win.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that that top of those divisions, now is the time, and hopefully Connor comes out. Um, I'm, I know you've probably heard it too, but they're saying he could be one of the first few on Fight Island if it comes through. Well, is question, that false media yeah. or true media? No,
0: apparently that, that's a possibility, although losing the gate of a McGregor fight would be tough, because I don't know if you're going to be able to pay the guy what you would normally pay him in that instance but here's the other thing like who does he face then if if Ferguson is injured do you go with Poirier but Poirier and Dan Hooker could fight on this fight island too so I don't know uh that's the question for me like who who is he gonna face uh that would put him in line for the next shot of the title
1: probably is only option I mean because you have to go with right away you go with Gaethje Khabib and then I guess if maybe Khabib can't go then Connor jumps in
0: yeah, Dana today said that he wants to do uh, Khabib versus Gechi this summer on Fight Island. Uh, he said that in an interview with ESPN Chicago today.
1: But then I guess everyone's thinking now that it's Masvidal next for Conor.
0: I don't know. Potentially. Apparently, they have something big messed up for Masvidal, bigger than Usman, but it's not McGregor. That's like those are the Yes, hits.
1: that's what confused me. So I've heard someone say GSP, but I mean, they just... You know, inducted him to the Hall of Fame. I don't know if that's their way of saying he's back or something fun like that, but I don't see GSP coming back Not for, for Masvidal. Masvidal. Yeah,
0: I don't. I just don't no. think it adds to his legacy, and if that's what he's after. But
1: if, what's know, bigger than that? What would it be bigger Nick, than... Diaz,
0: Nick Diaz maybe? I mean, I don't want to see Nick that's Diaz. That's the come only back. other thing. I just don't yeah. want to see Nick Diaz come back. Like that fight doesn't interest me. Yeah. I, I, I just don't see that being a competitive fight at this stage in 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 time.
1: Hmm. I don't know. I don't know what could be bigger. Like, even a rematch with Nate isn't bigger than, I would say, a fight with Usman.
0: No, definitely not. No, because we've seen it.
1: Yeah, so I don't know if the rematch, I don't know if that made anything different from the hype of promotion, but I don't know what could be bigger.
0: Well, I'm interested um, to see what Woodley looks like next weekend in terms of the welterweight division. That's an interesting one.
1: And who was he matched up with?
0: Gilbert Burns. That's what it was, yeah.
1: I was confused. I was like, that's, that's going to be a tough fight, but I mean, I think... Gilberts will be a little outclassed still, but got potential. Well,
0: it just depends on what Woodley looks like. We haven't seen him in some time. It's been last March, I guess, was the last time he fought. He didn't look good in that fight. But uh, you also have to remember how good Woodley was before that. You can't just look at one fight yes. against Usman. And that's amazing.
1: what it is with me. I, I still think like he's going to be a big threat for the top of the division still. I think he still has a little bit of a run in him. Or he's just very confident in his words, and I'm buying it. But either way, it's working with me because just hearing him and how confident motivated he's talking, and that's a hungry Woodley, and that was the hungry Woodley that made him so successful. So I think mindset-wise, he's looking good. He's looking sharp.
0: All right, so Dominic Cruz, the stoppage, what did you think of it?
1: I didn't mind the stoppage, to be honest with you. I thought um, his body language, the way he was getting shot as a spectator, I didn't mind it. If I'm Dominic Cruz, I'm upset. I think that's always going to be the situation because I was in that situation myself. Um, Almost in that exact situation, even actually worse than what Dominic Cruz is. When I fought Nicky Holtzkin... There was 10 seconds left in the fight. We both went at it. I got hit and I got dropped. But when I came back up, all the ref had to do was count me and then it would have gone to a decision and possibly an extra round. But instead, the refs decided to stop the fight right there without giving me that couple seconds, which the count would have put me into the next round. He didn't. So i was always been pissed off at that referee for not giving me the chance. So I do feel for Dominic Cruz. The long... The long road, physically, mentally, emotionally, to come back to that situation. You want to go out on your shield, so I can see where Cruz is upset, but I'm okay with the stoppage as a fan.
0: Damn you, Core Hammers, for stopping that fight. That's the only kickboxing referee I know. It probably wasn't him.
1: Core Hammers? No, he's uh, he was one. He's not a referee.
0: Oh, who am I thinking of? Who's the guy that uh, the guy with the beard, the referee? Uh,
1: the ref with the beard. Corhamers is like Dutch uh, royalties, like one of the top coaches, Ramon oh, Decker, his stepfather. Okay, yeah, I'm thinking
0: of the wrong guy then.
1: The, one the, of the talent. What's the Oscar guy that always goes, no,
0: no, 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 when people are clinching up?
1: Uh, Paul Nichols?
0: Maybe, uh, is he white guy? The, the, UK,
1: the UK guy? He doesn't have a beard though, he's a UK guy. And then we have big John Axwood. Stop! Is stop. No, it's is not big, it's
0: not, definitely not John Axwood. I know John Axwood. Not
1: Big John I'm Axwood. I remember his name
0: when you say it. With a beard?
1: You're saying he has a beard?
0: Yeah. He. I haven't seen him ref in a long time. But Youp Ubida. He ref during your era. I can't remember. Youp Ubida. Is that who it is? It's
1: Youp Ubida. Yeah. I think he. Uh, he did my turkey fight. He's a white guy. He called my turkey fight. Yes. Yeah. Older. Older. Yeah. Yes. And he goes, Youp no, no, Ubeda. no, no,
0: no, when people
1: are trying to clinch Youp. up. Youp Ubida. Okay. But that's I'm not the guy who
0: holes can fight. Who who holes can fight?
1: What's uh, his name? Atsushi Onari, I think. Japanese ref. Okay. And that's actually who... That was in my semifinals. I don't think... No, sorry. The finals was Al Wickers. Al Wickers.
0: That's the guy I'm thinking of. Al Wickers.
1: Al Wickers. That's the guy I'm thinking okay. of. Yeah, he hasn't Core been around Hembers, a Al Wickers. Lot
0: it's the same amount yeah, of syllables. Al Wickers
1: did call a lot of it, yeah? I don't know if he had a beard. I can't remember. Maybe
0: him. not. I don't know. But that's the guy I was thinking of. Al Wickers. Yeah, Al Wickers Yeah. Yeah. See, well, I, my apologies to the legendary Cor Hemmers because I, his name and Al Winger yeah. sound similar.
1: Yeah, he coached Ramon Deckers. <laughs> and uh, his actual uh, Cor Hemmers' son is Nicky Hemmers, who um, is now running the big and all the main fighters. And he was actually in uh, oh, DeCazes, Mark DeCazes' corner is Nicky Hemmers, which is the brother of Ramon Decker. So when the Akezi fought, they kept talking about Hemmers and Ramon Decker's, which was cool for us kickboxers.
0: We've got we've got Nicky Holskin, Nicky Hemmers, Al Wickers, yeah. and Core Hemmers. And now it's just all confusing for everybody.
1: Now it's just too whatever. Many, <laughs> too it's, many
0: names it's all out the door. Um, and now I don't remember what we were talking about. Yeah, the refereeing. And so I went on Twitter and said... Not only did I think it was a a good stoppage, I actually thought it was sort of a late stoppage because Dominic Cruz face planted and then he landed another shot. There were like 11 unanswered shots. And people, you would have thought that I I killed somebody that everybody loved. Like people were, I got messages on Instagram, DMs from people I've never, like just random people being like, some of them insulting my wife. Like you're talking about like some of the nastiest stuff ever because I I said that I thought it was maybe a late stoppage. Because... He took 11 unanswered shots. Like, I mean, I don't know why people thought that was a bad stoppage. Listen, I understand that he's getting position. Like, he he is trying to get position, um, and that is technically intelligent defense for sure. But if you're a referee, and you're in there, and you see a guy take that many unanswered shots, and then his head goes down, what's the problem with stopping that fight? Like, I mean, you call that a bad stoppage. You can say it's maybe a questionable stoppage, but I've seen a bad stoppage before. That's not a bad stoppage.
1: No.
2: That's a and judgment you got to
1: look... Yeah, Dominic Cruz's body language, he was taking shots as he was sideways. So it's not like if you if he was hitting and I'm blocking and trying to defend shots that's one thing. Or even like but shooting when for a I single hear or something. And the punches are coming this way. I'm not defending myself at all. You're taking shots, you're facing the other way. You would have just ate 3-4 more and then you would have been out, which as the fighter you would prefer, right? This is the thing. As the fighter you prefer that. And in Dominic Cruz's situation, he needs every bit of You know, um, things on his side at his age, his comeback. He needs to keep his stock and value high. And you got to be upset if you're him, but it's the right call. And this is the one – We're stopping – Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say we're stopping the potential of brain damage. This is where we are in modern martial arts that we need to protect ourselves a little bit. So um, I think in the long run, Dominic Cruz will see like, ah, I get it. I hope anyways. But you'll never be happy with those stops, stoppage. You lost. You got knocked out. Whether you, the ref stopped it, you lost. So we,
0: we also have to remember, too, that the broadcasters are friends with Dominic Cruz. So there's a bias there. And then as soon as the broadcasters say something, everybody jumps on that narrative. And I think that that's oh, yeah. ridiculous. Because then then when people point things out, like, you view them as the authority, their cage side watching their friend fight, and then after the replay, Rogan was like, oh, well, he did take a lot of unanswered shots, and he's changing his tune. But on the spot, like, it's their friend that's losing the fight, and they don't want to see their friend lose the fight. But yeah. here's the other thing that people don't understand. A lot of people were messaging me saying, oh, but there are only a couple seconds left in the round. That's not for the referee to care about. The referee is not going to think in their head, oh, there's just a couple seconds, let's let them take more of a beating. You're supposed to yeah. judge the fight from 459 to to one second left in the round the exact same way. You're right. And then right. other people are like, well, this isn't some preliminary fight. This is a championship fight. It's like, okay, so because he's the champion, he should be taking more damage than a preliminary fighter? Again, you, you're supposed to referee a fight the same way regardless of, of which two combatants are in the ring. Maybe not an amateur, but in professional MMA, at the highest level, you're supposed to referee these fights in the exact same way that you would any other fight. So if that's the case, I think that that stoppage was was a fine stoppage like it's again it's a judgment call if you see Dominic Cruz's head go down after he's taken 10 unanswered strikes or or you know and he hasn't been blocking any of them like you said what the, I don't see any issue with stopping the fight but again the narrative at that time when the an answer is like oh I don't like that stoppage everybody else is like is freaking out I think Dana White even said he liked the stoppage
1: yeah yeah I mean you really get influenced by commentators and and one of the ones that didn't disagree I, I really disagree with the guys was uh the Michelle Watterson fight against Carla Esparza. They were like, Oh, uh you know, Watterson, she's winning, she's look at her go, she's hitting. But I'm watching with no crowd, I was like, I got Carla winning all three yeah, rounds. I'm like, am I am, am I am rounds. I totally wrong? Like, am I not seeing what uh you know, Cormier and Rogan were seeing? Because I thought, you know, Carla won it all. So you can see where You know, commentators and I'm probably, you know, one of the first people to do that, too, because you're just stuck in that position and it's so natural to do that. But, yeah, there's a there's a few times. I mean, I can't get mad at them because I'm in that role as well. But, uh, yeah, they're easy to influence people. So I think you nailed it on the head because Rogan right away goes, no, I don't agree with that. That should have, you know, I don't know why they stopped that. So right away you're swaying people and especially how believable Rogan is and how well respected it is. Right away people will believe him, right?
0: Go read my responses to uh, when I said I thought it might have even been a late stoppage. Like you'll see some of the most vile stuff. At least, at, at least I figured out who to mute on Twitter at that point in time. But I had, I, I checked my DMs the next day on Twitter. I have my DMs open, but they have to send a message request. And the amount of like harassing, awful messages I got there and on Instagram was crazy.
1: I thought even from your uh, your name drop on the on the broadcast too. Did you? You yeah. didn't hear your name drop? No, no, I
0: did. I owe John Anik a drink next time I'm with him.
1: That's that it. Was
0: nice. I was all over the broadcast. Some of my tweets showed up. I was in the GST the tweets, made it, um, the yeah. GST montage.
1: You're on it. That's what I was saying. When I kept seeing your pops and they mentioned you, I was like, hey, I know him. I know
0: him, and not only. Well, you also know Rogan. I mean, you know all these guys. But uh, not only that, I also went on SportsCenter that night when we were talking GSP and said that John Jones was the best fighter ever. And then woke up the next morning with all these angry Canadians sending me messages saying, oh, he, he failed drug tests and blah
1: blah blah." Uh, yeah, that means you're doing well.
0: Yeah, I'm actually, it's my, as
1: crazy as it sounds, it means you're doing. Yeah, well.
0: my boss was actually happy that I didn't. Uh, I didn't hold back my my real opinion. Uh, just because we were honoring GSP. Listen, I mean, here's the thing about it, and I've explained this to people. John Jones has one loss on his record, and it's an illegitimate loss. It's a DQ that shouldn't have been a DQ. So if we throw that out the window, he's never been stopped in a fight. I I had Reyes beating him in the last fight, sure, but that's still a win on his record. Um, And then on top of that, everybody talks about the the drug failures, but if you want to put people like Anderson Silva or GSP or whatever above John Jones you're taking fighters that fought in mostly a non-USADA era and making them the best over a guy that got popped twice in the USADA era. So you have to, like... It's like the people that... The, the ridiculous baseball writers that are always like, oh, well, uh, I think that Craig Biggio should be in the Hall of Fame, but not Barry Bonds, even though Barry Bonds had a way better career. It's like, these guys were in the same era. What makes mm-hmm. you think that it's just those guys that are, that are doing things? And I'm not accusing GSP of anything, but if you're going to take people from that same era and, and put them above John Jones because they didn't fail drug tests... And, and everybody knew when they were going to be tested for drugs. I think that's a ridiculous thing to do and a ridiculous argument.
1: But at this point, since we don't know, I think you—it's I, I, unfair, and I, I agree with you. But I think we just have to assume that they were clean. Right? All right, you of can't all of- say in, in that era. Do? if you can't really say anything there's no proof and testing right you can see the physical changes of the body but like you can't really say it's tough right you have to automatically assume no you can't. You okay, can, dude. so okay, okay, so let's. Guess, a, so oh, let's assume. Well, okay, so let's he let's, let's pump the brakes it, then, and what? let's
0: let's assume. So let's assume everybody was clean in that era up until the Usada era. John Jones beat Shogun Hua in his prime. He beat Lyota Machida in his prime. He beat Rampage Jackson in his prime. He beat Rashad Evans in his prime. He beat he beat the killers of killers yeah. in his twenties.
1: Yeah, and that's why I say that's. I agree with you. And so it's not that GSP
0: why. GSP's resume is phenomenal yeah. too. I'm not trying to diminish GSP by any means possible, but I mean. You know, I, and if you said GSP is the best fighter ever, I'm not going to argue with you. I think that that's a perfectly logical take. Yeah. But you also have to take into consideration the fact that most of his career was not in the Usada era and we ha- and if John Jones is getting uh failing drug tests in the Usada era where they're actually where he's failing for picogram level amounts, a rule that has since been changed, then you have to
1: think about it that way too. Mm. Mm-hmm it's tough we'll never know we will never. but i mean like i I don't think you can go wrong by saying either of those two no i don't think so
0: either and i think it's just between those two also i mean you could maybe you could say mighty mouse anderson silva but i think it's probably between those two if you're going to decide on the best ever
1: i think if anderson silva too if he would have maybe called it a little earlier i think he would have been in a bigger conversation for it he waited a little too long
0: you know yeah he still wants to come back he wants to fight two more times he's 45 years old
1: money like i mean looking money over legacy which i don't mind i mean support his family put them in but a lot of guys who worry about their legacy like we just saw henry cejudo and gs who can still go and dominate but what happens now like harder fights younger guys more pressure like i don't know that's kind of uh you know going out on top is a phenomenal feeling right yeah and if you look at who he did it against his
0: last four fights You've got uh, Demetrius Johnson, T.J. Dillashaw, Marlon Moraes, and Dominic Cruz. Like those are those are some of the best lighter division fighters ever. And then he also wanted to fight Aldo. If you, can you imagine if he added Aldo to that afterwards? Like those those five guys in a row. And yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, I I wrote that um, I think that Demetrius is the consensus best flyweight ever. Dominic Cruz is pretty much the consensus best Bantamweight ever. But if you look at the body of work that Henry Cejudo has, he might have a better resume than both of them and might be perhaps the greatest lighter weight fighter of all time since he did work in both divisions. Um, and then everybody came and was trivializing his win streak to me. They're like, oh, well, Dillashaw was diminished. He was 125 pounds. Marlon Moraes gave up in that fight. He gassed out. Um, you know, Dominic Cruz is past his prime. Uh, uh, Demetrius Johnson he didn't win that fight they took every one of the wins and then diminished it and I, I, and I said okay well let's go to the flip side of this he arguably outpointed the best fighter the number one pound for pound fighter in the world at that time Demetrius Johnson he beat TJ Dillashaw, who was on EPO at the time in 30 seconds he beat, mm-hmm. he beat um, Marlon Moraes who destroyed him in the first round came back hung in there adjusted and then beat Marlon Moraes who really are you going to put down Marlon Moraes? he was on a four fight win streak with three of those coming in the first round he was like an absolute killer And then Dominic Cruz, it's not his fault that Dominic Cruz is coming back from injury. Maybe he is diminished, but it's still the best bantamweight ever. He's the only person to ever KO Dominic Cruz. That's one hell of a resume.
1: It's it's incredible. I mean, I was a little thrown off that he kind of retired the way he did, but I didn't mind it. Like I said, I think it's leading an example that more guys need to do that. And I don't mind it. Like, you know, GSP was one of the first to do it and to see someone like, you know, Sohudo do it. But you, and then you've got guys like DC who wants that one more title. He wants to end on top, right? So it's that feeling of going out on top that people want. So why not do it with two belts,
0: you know? Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I've got a good question for you. And it's a question that I've been posing to people about Daniel Cormier. So Stipe has this eye issue and is also a first responder right now during a pandemic, doesn't want to come back. What do you think would look better on Daniel Cormier's resume for his last fight? A win over Stipe and retiring as the heavyweight champion of the world, or beating Francis Ngannou?
1: What's better for his career? For his legacy.
0: Because you are getting getting the title back, but you're also beating a guy you've already beaten. And Francis right now, in the last four fights, he's 4-0, and the cumulative time of those four fights is 3 minutes and 44 seconds. So, I mean... What what would be better for his legacy? Beating an absolute monster in France and adding that to his to his resume of people he's beaten. Stipe's already on that resume. Or waiting for Stipe to come back and possibly even losing that fight. But whatever. Let's let's, let's say he wins both those fights. What's better? If on his I, I'm
1: his manager, I'm going the Stipe fight. If I'm his manager, I think one you have to go out. You know, you were dominating the fight before you lost. You want to kind of go get that. I think. Francis is a little too dangerous with that power. Could he beat him? Sure, yeah, probably. But I think the power is too dangerous. The risk of your last fight against Francis is too much. And I think it would really hurt him that much more to lose to Francis. But but Joe, he's winning winning both these
0: fights. He's winning both these fights. What's better for his legacy? That's the question.
1: He's winning most of the okay. He's winning most of these fights. I still gotta go Stipe. Yeah, and I think that's a fair answer. I think, because I because think Nogano really still hasn't had a title. Um, he hasn't. You, you, when you talk about Stipe, you talk about um, most yeah. title defenses might be in the heavy best heavyweight. So champion you, ever, yeah, uh, yeah. So I think. I think Francis will eventually get that title. So I just think the timing for DC that makes more sense, but I guarantee you in about 2 years we'll be talking about Francis being the most, you know, title defenses because I don't think he, I think he's I don't care how good your wrestling is. That was ridiculous power and the fact that he doesn't throw one shot, he's going to throw 10 until he kills you basically. So I mean, I just think that that animal is going to be very hard to beat.
0: Dude, Jair Rosenstrike is undefeated in MMA. has a knockout win over Benny attic Bowie in kickboxing. Like this is one of the a, a really like a top level heavyweight kickboxer, and Francis put him away in twenty seconds. That's crazy.
1: And, and what's funny about it is, from a, a technical standpoint, there was zero technical about that finish. When you see Francis chin up in the air and him swinging from weird like punching, <laughs> you're like, I don't care what that's called, but get out of the way from those things i mean that's ridiculous it is absolutely ridiculous how hard he swings but what's so better what's even better is he throws it to kill you if he's going to commit there's no half there's no thinking everything when he commits and he throws he will go and finish the job he's not going to throw one maybe wait wait for a counter no there's no countering nothing he's going in all destruction i loved it He's
0: a Love sc- he's a scary man. I mean, that was. I
1: think I think he destroys it. I I think he kills Stepe right now.
0: Well, that's exactly I what happened the last time. Though. The last time he won, he was a two to one favorite. St-
1: yeah, oh, I don't know. Maybe. It's different now. He's been training. He looks in better shape. Looks nice and lean. You know, I don't know. He's working hard. He's got the the institute behind him with his you know proper cardiovascular training, the proper nutrition. I don't know. I can't see. You know, him being beat anytime soon.
0: Calvin Cater, Freaked. your guy. He was at Bazooka Kickboxing for this camp. Shit. What a Loved win for it. him. And that elbow in slow motion looked like it was in regular motion. I mean, that, that was wow. one hell of an elbow.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was just his timing. And I mean, when he was fighting too, it was like uh, I was writing down all these notes. So this is why I knew we're on the same wavelength. I was writing notes of things he was doing well and not well because after the fight, we'll go through it now. We'll kind of improve. We need improvement. So I was writing down notes, and I wrote beside us, like, boxing. Because a lot of going into this camp, I wanted him to mix his kicks. And I was studying, practicing. We watched uh, – I even got to watch some of the sparring leading up. We made adjustments, corrections. So I wanted to see a little bit more kicking. So I'm happy he landed the low kicks. But uh, I wrote on the notes, mix elbows with boxing. And then all of a sudden, literally two minutes later, boom, he got that one, and he got that wicked finish.
0: So, yeah, so – I got a t-
1: Give me a 10 second break. here. Uh, did you
0: spill something? I dropped coffee. Well, Joe, you spilled some coffee. more back. Um, Tyson Chartier, the coach, do you think in the corner, he made that adjustment and, and told him to start throwing some elbows? Uh,
1: I think a lot of the adjustment came from, from Tyson was, uh, they weren't happy in that first round because Kelvin was getting pushed back a lot. You know, was getting hit, getting caught at some moment, but, uh, they made the right adjustments within their corner. And, uh, once they did, you saw the difference. Right? You can see the good coaching that he had because once he started pushing forward, he found the right hand, things started changing. But again, I totally understand um, where you know Kelvin was moving a lot more in the first round. When you hear about Jeremy Stevens, how powerful, how powerful, he's going to knock you out, he's known for all of this. So you have to respect that. So that's why Kelvin was moving a bit. But once he felt the power and Kelvin started moving forward, it was over. It was beautiful. And,
0: and Stevens has like a lot he has a lot of losses in the UFC but only three by uh, knockout finish. So so good on uh, good on Calvin for being one of those uh, to be able to do it. It's a, it's a tough tough night for um, Alliance MMA with him and Cruz both getting finished in that, those fights.
1: Yeah. I mean it, it's tough but I mean that fancy footwork, it, I mean, it's great. It works, but nothing beats power at the end of the day, you know? Power power goes a long way. So move all you want. Everybody's got that plan, as Mike Tyson said, till you get hit. So to beat that movement, they fought power guys, and it really affected them.
0: Yeah, a lot of it is precision, also. I mean, that's uh, that's what it comes down to as well. And we uh, well, let's talk a little bit about the rest of the card. Uh, Bryce Mitchell. I don't know if you saw that fight. Uh, Incredible. Yeah, got to watch it.
1: Whew. Yeah, what's it? Thug nasty.
0: Yeah, thug nasty looked nasty. I mean, Charles Rose is a legit black belt in, in jujitsu, and yeah. I mean that looked. It looked like he was fighting a white belt.
1: And how he kept attacking the twister.
0: Well, maybe not fighting a white belt. Because a white belt would have tapped easily to all of those different things. And after the fight, Bryce Mitchell was asked, did you think that Charles Rosa was going to tap at any point? And he said, no, Charles Rosa is really good.
1: (laughs) Your tweet popped up in that fight, I believe. That was when your tweet popped up. You were mentioning. Imagine if it was two twisters back to back.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, that would have been something. Two back to back twister. Works. That'll
1: never. That would never happen again.
0: It was. Yeah, that would never happen again. That that's like never. That, that's like all lo- the uh, the Von Prue chokes. You might see a Von Prue choke uh, tomorrow night in the co event with Olenek. Von Prue versus Olen- versus uh no versus Rothwell. Because Von Peru, uh, against heavyweights should be able to to land those Von Flu chokes a lot easier because a lot of these heavyweights don't really have the wherewithal with grappling, and that's why he was so successful mm-hmm. at light heavyweight. Imagine at heavyweight. It's like Olenek, like you mentioned with the Ezekiel chokes. Against heavyweights, you yeah. can pull that kind of stuff off.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine how big... uh Oh um, what's that? OSP? OSP. I was I going to say oh I was going to say GSP. He was 240 this at...
0: morning. He looked like his old oh. linebacker self from college.
1: Your book is confusing me right by your head. I keep looking at GSP and then I was trying to say OSP on the other side. Yeah, I've got NYC, NYC head.
0: and GSP. And MSG. So I keep
1: looking at GSP and, and UFC. Like, is it OSP or GSP? <laughs> Lots of threes, 3 three-letter uh, so abbreviations. OSP is going to look like a monster because he's got those thick legs, big glutes, good power, so he's probably going to look like a monster, like a Rumble Johnson almost.
0: Yeah, he looks he looked really big today on the scale, that's for sure. Um, so tomorrow night, Anthony Smith taking on Glover to Share our main event, two very nice guys, uh, and two very, very high-level uh, light heavyweights. Uh, do you have any sort of feel on this one?
1: Uh, I think it's going to be all Anthony Smith, to be honest. I think Anthony Smith gets the finish.
0: Anthony Smith has been uh, something of a legend killer at uh, light heavyweight. He has that win over Rashad Evans, Gustafson, um, and now you've got uh, this particular matchup against Glover Teixeira, and also Shogun Hua. So he's just running through these uh, these legends of the, uh, the light heavyweight division that are kind of past their prime.
1: I just, yeah, I think is a little too old for him now. I think... Um, I just think he's more near the end of it. Yeah, he's got the power and the strong wrestling, but I think Anthony Smith's too tall, too sharp, too powerful, good use of his range and his strikes. I think he gets the job done. I think he gets a finish.
0: And we had uh, Anthony Anthony Pettis versus Cerrone. Cerrone looked good again. I mean, I know he lost that fight, but uh, that's a fight that, you know, he was an underdog in, and I think he should have been an underdog in. Uh, Pettis looked really good, too. Uh, these are guys that are still kind of hanging on, but I thought that, you know, calls for Cerrone to retire are very premature. I think that he can still beat a lot of guys in that division.
1: Yeah, and I mean, Pettis, I, I don't see him as a welterweight. I don't. I just think he was a little bit bloated. You can see in his in his definition in his stomach. I don't think it's the best division for him. Um, I think Cowboy looked a lot bigger, but uh, it's just that the eye. Have you seen you know, Pettis um, in person? uh no he's i don't a, think i maybe a, once a once now. i maybe
0: like he is a tank he must he must yeah. walk around the two bills now like he's a big dude now
1: yeah but seeing him in the ring he didn't look great to me he looked like chubby he looked out of shape you know like i i was a natural welterweight and like i would walk around 190 195 but i mean i wouldn't see him as my size even when i was competing I just looked at his stomach, and it looked, looked out of shape to me, if yeah, anything. He, he
0: does look a little pudgy, I guess, at 170, but we're used to seeing him so defined at 155.
1: Yeah, but what I was saying about Cowboy, I loved that, that he had the eye of the tiger back. You know, like you saw him like me mugging, looking like he, he wanted to fight. It wasn't about let's play games. Like, he came to fight. He, he really did come to fight to, to make up for that last performance, and I thought he did well. I mean I wasn't really sure who I thought was winning the fight to be honest with you um i I thought Pettis, uh during the time won the fight, but uh'cause I know a lot of people were you know thinking cowboy won
0: yeah for sure uh it was it was nice seeing uh cowboy back back in action for sure he's uh he's he's again still looks like he can win some fights, so uh good mm-hmm. on good on him uh well Joe, we've got some interviews to get to um i want to thank you for your time and uh I'm going to throw to two of your buddies. We've got uh, Calvin Cater and Rob Font on the show. Hey. Yeah. And uh, followed by Sarah Morris, who's fighting on Wednesday night, as well as uh, Anthony Smith. So uh, thanks to everybody for tuning in. Uh, And Joe, uh, I appreciate your time. Maybe we can chat later in the week. I'm going to get another one of these out before Saturday's cards. The UFC is putting out cards. We're going to put out podcasts.
1: That's it. Get it going.
0: I'm pleased to be joined now by Calvin Cater. Great win over the weekend against Jeremy Stevens at UFC 249. So you're back in Boston. Uh, What was the flight home like?
3: Uh, flight home was, was wasn't too bad but it's never fun breathing through the mask like I was saying with a broken nose
0: yeah it doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun so do they, did they test you for COVID afterwards like after you fought
3: no so they, they just tested us previous to the fighting and uh, we all came clean so yeah that was pretty much that was
0: it I was curious about the logistics of how they would get a swab up your nose after what happened in the fight
3: that's a good question. It's never fun to do right after the weigh-in either when you lose, like, I don't know, 10, 15 pounds and then gain it right back and then stick that thing down your nose. It's, and then they give you the five-second countdown like you want to know how much longer.
0: Yeah, that doesn't sound like fun. I, that was the one thing I would have loved to cover this event, but that's the one thing I wouldn't have wanted to do was that it was those swab tests do not look like a whole lot of fun.
3: No, but i tell you the truth. you. Always, I think everybody uh, wants to know if they have it or not, so that was... Uh, when else are you going to get a COVID testing? But everyone's got their suspicions. And then even now with the allergies coming out, people getting headaches and, you know, just, yeah, crazy time.
0: Yeah, my wife has allergies and she kept getting worried. And I was like, you haven't gone anywhere. You're not going to get COVID-19 from being in the house.
3: Yeah, but once it gets in your head and you want to get tested, it was, it was a nice res- reset to know that I haven't had it
0: and that I don't have
3: it. So, uh, yeah, it worked out.
0: The replay. Have you watched the replay of the elbow?
3: I have, yeah, yeah. I got a chance to see it that night.
0: The slow motion replay looks like it's in regular motion. That—that's the speed and precision you you delivered that with.
3: Yeah, maybe if I don't hit that exact same timing, then maybe I, you know, um, maybe I, I don't get the same shot on my nose. But maybe I don't get the finish, and so uh, fuck it. To me, it's a fair trade off.
0: Yeah, I heard you say in an interview earlier that you you you'd trade a rook for a queen any day. That's a good analogy. It's
3: the truth, yeah. Any day of the week, man. If you, if if I, before the fight you told me this is how you're gonna feel, uh you know whatever get the W, uh, I'm signing back up. And um, you know, like I was saying before too, like I, even though know, I took some damage, uh, I feel better with a win, taking some damage than uh, healthy with a loss, you know.
0: And one of the ultimate examples of that happened in your division. It was the McGregor versus Aldo fight. He he took he took a took a rook to give a queen. And the, and the which one? The uh, Aldo versus McGregor.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's it, man. Same thing. Sometimes you got to eat one to give one.
0: And uh,
3: I was hoping I slipped it a little bit more, but at least I made the motion to try to slip it. And then uh, and then I ended up catching a little bit of it, just enough to you know leave me with something to go home with, to remember him by.
0: So now that you're home, are you going to be in self-isolation for 14 days just as a precaution? I know it was Mother's Day yesterday, but I know it was Mother's yeah, Day Aaron. yesterday, but... Uh, uh, Rob Day just, yesterday, but uh, I'm sorry, uh,
3: Rob, Rob Font walked in the door and just chipped up our interview.
0: Well, Rob Font can join us if he'd like.
3: Yeah, come get his ass over here, man. Cartel in the building. Who's this?
0: Air. Air. what's up? What's up? You can't see me, but you can hear me. How's it going, Rob? I'm all right, man. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, that elbow, yeah. pretty sick. Yeah.
3: Yeah, man, that, that's, that's Jake Menini with uh, Cartel curriculum uh, Thai Coach too.
0: Rob guy Guys got a lot of hats. Was Rob down uh, there with you? Yeah. Yes,
3: he was. Yeah, it was Rob, uh, Carlos Neto, and uh, Tyson Chartier. But uh, been working a lot, hit mitts with my, my buddy Jake Manini And then, you know, Bazooka Joe out there helped me out. Uh, just, just getting a lot of tie work lately. And was, was happy to at least throw some tie shit this time. You yeah, do some kicks and some elbows. <sighs> that teeth was clean. The low kicks were there. You look sharp, man. Yeah. Rob, what's the latest <laughs> your, with you? I, yeah, this shit. I'm hanging in there, man. Just a lot of uh, PT right now. I'm just, uh, you know, just got, a, uh, just got back with this guy. So, you know, I'm just hanging out. Tired.
0: You're rehabbing an injury, right? Am I right? Yeah. Yeah, yep. so what was the injury? Uh, I'm right. And uh, what's the recovery time like on that?
1: Shit, um,
3: yeah, I'm looking like Probably December. Fighting by December. Oh wow! So this is a long term thing. July. Yeah, yeah. So I feel good. It won't be that bad. it will be a couple months off, but it's not that bad.
0: How did you suffer the injury?
3: Um, second round of my my last fight. Uh, when I fought Ricky Simone, in the second round, I uh
0: I blew it out. Calvin, completely I, tore it out. Calvin, I'm sorry and, about uh, this, but Rob's Rob's basically just he's he bogarted the entire interview. Uh, I just asking him questions. Oh no,
3: please. Just, it's good. I think he faked the injury just to get off Saturday sparring. Personally, <laughs> but but you know, it's like I said, trade the rook for the queen. He's like, no, fuck it, man. At least I won't have to spar Calvin every Saturday. You know. Yes. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sparring the more after those yeah. levels, man. No, we're on that joint shit, man. We keep talking shit to each other, level up each day in the gym. We gotta raise the level of competition in the gym. You know.
0: You were the one. You were the only one in Bo- from Boston that got the job done this weekend. That that's uh, that was a good look.
3: I'm happy to at least get one for us, man. I know how it feels to go three and zero, and I know how it feels to go zero and three. So, uh, you know, just take take these good moments when they come, and, and just ready to get back to work now.
0: Rosa's in Florida, but do you train with Jorgen De Castro at all?
3: Uh, yeah, every now and then we saw him
0: down at uh, Lausanne for
3: a little bit, but uh, but no, I, I haven't uh, haven't seen him a bit other than fight week, and we were rooting for him, man. But uh, yes, it's it's tough, man. Fight night sometimes. You know, I know he broke his his foot in a second. I believe that got, that gotta suck. You know, stayed in it, toughed it out though. So, uh, just didn't get the W. But yeah, happy to get one home for us, and uh, and hopefully, you know, the rest of those guys will bounce back.
0: How long does it take for you to forget that you are in an empty arena when you get started? Like, when does it cl- when does it click that you're just in a fight and the audience isn't gonna cheer and it doesn't really matter?
3: Well, the funny thing is, when you walk out, that's kind of how you try to picture it, <laughs> you know, is, is empty. You don't want to be paying attention to the crowd too much, unless you're one that feeds off the energy, don't get me wrong. But I usually like to take that energy in post-fight with a big win, and definitely weren't, wasn't able to really do that this time. But I know back home, everybody was getting crazy, and I was able to see all the videos post-fight. It was, uh, it
0: was nice. What did Rogan say to you afterwards? Because he's really been pumping your tires in, in his podcast lately, talking about how great of a prospect you are.
3: Yeah, no, just uh, uh, I told him I had a New England Cartel t-shirt for him, but I didn't, didn't link up with him post-fight, so I guess he's going to have to put me on his podcast to get it now.
0: You didn't ask, though, after the fight. That's that's always a bad look. If you ask to be on the podcast, I can't think of anybody that's asked after a fight to be on the podcast that that I actually ended up on that.
3: Yeah, that's like asking for the bonus, right? You would think that I asked for it the last four fights. <laughs>
0: I've always said it would be funnier to just use reverse psychology on Joe and be like, Joe, if you want me on the podcast, you're going to have to beg. I'm not really interested.
3: Yes, I like that approach. I like that approach. Eh?
0: Also asking about the bonus. That's never a good look either. But uh, you, didn't, you didn't end up getting a bonus, did you, on this one? There were so many good finishes.
3: No, but I got something better. Danny said he's going to take care of me. So uh, when he says he does that, you know, we'll, we'll see. Well, I'm, I'm excited now. Sit back, wait what he does.
0: And a thirty percent bonus from Jeremy Stevens missing weight.
3: Yeah, yeah, should have been thirty five, but
0: we we'll take thirty. Yeah, you you were trying to negotiate for the thirty five, and he wouldn't cave. No man, uh, you would have thought I missed weight, but
3: uh, at the end of the day, we we settled on thirty, and uh, and and post fight came up, shook my hand, so a lot of respect there. Mm-hmm. He's a tough tough guy, man. It was a great fight, and he he edged me out the first round, and I was just able to land a clean shot in the second, so. Uh, it was a great fight, and uh, yeah. I'm, actually,
0: I'm surprised that more people didn't miss weight. I thought under these circumstances that it was going to be difficult for people to get into their routine and get into their groove, but it seemed like it was only Jeremy that was uh, unable to do that.
3: Yeah, I thought they'd all be, all be on their Rob Font shit post-fight, you know, pandemic weight we call that. <laughs> <laughs> but,
0: is, is that the is that the weight class Rob is in right now, you're saying?
3: Yeah, I thought people were going to be on their Rob Font shit when I was there. Rob,
0: what, what, does inju- uh, what does injury rehab Rob Font walk around at?
3: Slightly heavier. Slightly yeah, heavier. I, I couldn't get him to step on a scale all week.
0: So if he's not going to tell
2: you,
3: well, he's not going to tell me. I, I, thought the, I thought the same thing, though. I thought that a lot of people's weight would be a little bit off, and it turns out it was just Jeremy's, but, uh, but yeah. He lost pancakes. He lost pancakes.
0: <laughs> I said to my boss... um. I I have a feeling like three or four people are going to miss weight because it's just a weird situation, right? Like everybody's used to things going according to schedule, and this is just so out of the ordinary. It's a late check-in. But I I honestly, I laud every single person on that card that made weight. And this isn't a shot of Jeremy. It's just I, I am so happy to see the level of commitment that all of you and your fellow athletes have. Uh, to be able to make weight under those circumstances, uh, with the late check-in, with with all the pandemic, I, I didn't know what kind of weight uh, cutting um, age would be available there, but uh, yeah. it just shows the true commitment of everybody in the sport.
3: Yeah, for sure. And, uh, Charlotte's a trifecta; they they really uh, they killed it this time around for me, and uh, had all the fighters. You know, they were in charge of most of them uh, of you know getting their, their foods and liquids and things after. So they were around all week to take care of us. They stepped up huge and. Uh, yeah she, everyone may wait except for of course my guy but uh it is what it is
0: all right i'm going to name some fighters and i want you to give me your level of interest from one to ten uh brian ortega uh one through ten yeah your level of interest
3: tell you what top five they all got a ten
0: they all got a ten okay well you just ruined the game <laughs> how, would you, how would you rank how would you rank the top five in order of how you think you'd match up better who do you think you'd match up best against in the top five
3: uh all five of them myself so honestly each fight is just a, a different uh challenging style matchups but i'm prepared to take any style matchups possible i don't pick fights at this point you know if you think that you're the best then it shouldn't matter who you fight next and uh and i'm just working on becoming a better martial artist every time i step in there and uh and I look forward to whoever that's going to be, uh, that I, that I match up with. I'm going to go over a certain set, you know, to be ready for them, add to my tools and, and uh, and what I've written in, you know, just, yeah, I mean, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I just, just want a big moment opportunity. And this way I get up for it and, and take out whoever that is in front of me.
0: Would you want to fight again under the same kind of pandemic circumstances? Or do you want to take some time off?
3: That was a lot of shit, but, uh um, but
0: I really don't. Yeah, I'm, yeah. But but at the same time, it kind
3: of get me. Fo- it kept me focused through everything, you know. So I, I like being at work with the idea. Yeah, of camp. yeah. It's a <laughs> gift and a curse, straight up. Um, but I feel like I definitely get out of this pandemic better than when I went in, and I want to ride that momentum into a busy 2020, man, and finish the year strong. Hopefully, that point, my boy will be making his uh, his comeback. Maybe we we'll get on the same car. That'd be dope.
0: So, have you seen your mom since you've been back? Yesterday was Mother's Day, and I know that after traveling and all that, it might be safer to just self isolate with the people that you were with. Is that what you're planning on doing?
3: Yeah, I was trying, but she wasn't having on that. So here I am.
0: <laughs> I don't blame her. I wouldn't want you to come over today either. It's just uh, you know, I've got a family here to take care of.
3: Uh, Canada's nice too, man. But I was already in Florida. My uh, cousin lives like four hours away. He's just gonna come pick me up, but. Uh... Uh, yeah i it was it was over my head at that point,
0: all right well, hopefully you guys come back to Canada soon, work out with bazooka Joe come to uh, come to the studio. we can do an interview, but of course we need uh, all of this coronavirus stuff to blow over before that happens uh and of course we're hoping that that's sooner rather than later.
3: Yes, sir. looking forward to it man I'll have to get up uh, out there in Canada
0: next trip. Awesome guys. thanks for your time, Rob. Nice seeing you, man. With corona weight all the way I'm, I'm I'm in the same weight class as you, my brother yeah that pandemic 15. <laughs> Coming off of a one-year absence from the UFC, it is Anthony Smith returning to the cage. You know, Anthony, you fought six times over the course of two years. You must be getting antsy.
4: I am. I am. I've never been off this long. Um, and, I, and I think that I, I think I get better uh, the more often I fight. You know, the, the, more, the more times I run out there and, and, you know, I get out there, I fight, we come back, we kind of, we all brainstorm and figure out what I did wrong, where can we fix it, take a little bit of a break and then get it right back in there, Uh, I I tend to grow faster that way. So uh, I'm just excited to get back on the horse and and just get back to doing what I do best.
0: Now, I'd ask you if you're worried about cage rust, but a lot of people take 11 months hiatuses from the sport. I'm guessing that's not a concern for you?
4: Well, this is the longest break I've ever had. Uh, I've never been out this long before. So I I'm not a huge believer in ring rust. I'm I'm, I'm sure that it's possible. I, I, but I, for me, you know, I'm, I'm constantly training, and I know that it's different when you do it. You know, when you're going game time speed. Uh, but I, you know, I'm I'm always in there, and, and and mentally, I'm never out of the sport. So I I, I may take a round to just kind of get my feet back under me, and 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 let that adrenaline get, come down a little bit. But I I think I'll be okay.
0: One advantage you have is that this fight's been booked for some time. It was supposed to happen in your home state. Unfortunately, it's not going to happen uh, in Nebraska this time around. But how long were you in Denver for? And when the coronavirus pandemic started to really uh, get the national attention, is that when you headed back to Nebraska?
4: Well, I did. The, I, so initially, because I've been out so long, I planned a, a much longer training camp than, I'm typically, than I typically do. I'm always training. But as far as the actual camp, and we really ramp it up, uh, I typically only do six or seven weeks, uh, cause I don't really take breaks. So I'm always in the gym. So I don't really need the extra four or five weeks to, you know, to, to get back in the flow. Uh, and that's what a lot of guys do. They, it takes them three or four weeks to even get in decent shape to do a camp and then they finish their camp. So I never have to do that cause I'm always in shape. But, uh, this time I was doing like a 10 or 11 week training camp, which is a lot longer than I'm used to. So I did the first. I did the first three weeks in Kansas City with James Krause. Uh, I did the next three weeks in Denver uh, with Mark Montoya. And then that's about the time that the the pandemic kind of shut everything down. Uh, So I just moved the whole training camp here. Um, And so, you know, that's what we've been doing.
0: Do you drive to all these places? Like how many clicks do you get on your car in a year?
4: Oh, a lot. (laughs) I put a lot of miles. But uh, Kansas City is only a couple hours. It's like a three-hour drive. In um, Denver is about a seven and a half hour drive. But what I typically do in Denver is I, I have a car, uh, and I'll drive the first time, and then I just leave the car in Denver, uh, and then I fly back and forth on the weekends.
0: Okay, so you, so you're you're basically um, going back and forth between Nebraska and Denver. So that's interesting. That's so you can get some more time in with your family during a camp.
4: Right, right. And I also have uh, my longtime boxing coach and my longtime jujitsu coach that I still train with full time here. Uh, so that's that's when I get my work in with them on the weekends. Spend the time with my family, and back to factory X on Monday.
0: You've always been a proud family man. I know that when you were going to take a prolonged break uh, from the UFC was because you wanted to get in more time with your family. You had a pretty scary incident happen with your family in in recent weeks. Can you walk us through that?
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, first, of all, you know, I, I needed the break because I I just hadn't been, you know, I hadn't been around. And 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 when I was younger. I was just my, my whole life was about fighting and I was, I was, I was a fighter. It was who I was. Uh, and as I've gotten older and I've I've grown a family and I got three daughters and a wife, uh, I'm not like fighting isn't all that defines me. I do other shit too. You know, like I, I'm a, you know, I'm a dad and I'm a husband and, and, and I got, you know, a lot of other things. So like fighting is not who I am anymore. It's more, it's just something I do now. Uh, so I needed that. I needed that time, um, and I got, and I got plenty of it. That's for sure. Uh, so, uh, and as far as my house, you know, we we had a you know we had a home invasion. Uh, it was about four in the morning. You know, my wife woke me up uh, in the middle of the night. You know, kind of you know panicking and, and slapping me on my chest, saying, "You need to wake up. There's someone in the house." And uh, yeah, so I had to. I, Jumped out of bed and ran into the living room, and there he was, uh, just going, going psychotic, uh, in my living room. So, had to deal with that, um, with that problem, you know, and and there's, there's a lot of residual stuff that goes along with that, you know, it, I said it before, but he, uh, it it doesn't end when he leaves the house, you know, like my kids are still having a hard time sleeping in their own beds, and, you know, for three weeks, my kids slept on a, queen size mattress uh in in the middle of my master bathroom because they 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 couldn't be far enough away from me where they could they needed to be able to see me uh and you know we're we slowly transitioned them back in their beds but they're still
2: they
4: i bet five out of the seven nights of the week i wake up uh and and all my kids are in my bed so i mean it's it's a process you know where they're they're speaking to counselors uh you know elect you know electronically or 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 you know like the like through zoom or, or whatever however we've been doing it and uh you know we'll get through it they're tough man they they don't have a choice they they got to get through it you know and that's uh that's just how it is
0: yeah there's a terrible situation a terrifying situation and you know people often joke and say oh he broke into the wrong house it's a mixed martial artist house but for you To wake up in the middle of the night like that, like this, is different than preparing to go and compete. I mean, it's just a—it's a nightmare for any human being to have to experience that with their family. For their family to to have to go that through that, and like you mentioned, the residual effects on your children. I'm sure even you, your wife, uh, your mother-in-law, I believe was there as well. uh, It just must be
4: harrowing. I'm really sorry that you had to go through that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, and I and I don't I don't hold it against people that say it. You know, like when they hear about, oh, you know, the guy he broke in the wrong house, like. Yeah. Yeah. You did for sure. But like, I still have to deal with it. You know what I mean? Like, and I get it. Like people, people that don't know me as a person and, and they only see me through, through the sport. And the only time they see me is pre fight, post fight. And, and, and they're being a savage. That's not who I am. Like if you ask anybody that knows me, I'm the girl dad. And my kids pick on me. And you know what I mean? Like, I'm the one that like I'll walk through the living room and, and my kids will just attack me. And then they're just throwing me on the ground. Like I'm the big softy that has, you know, that uh, like my kids have me wrapped around their finger. Like, I, so I know that like people are like, Oh, he handled it for sure. No problem. Like I'm not that like savage killer that everyone thinks that I am, uh, 24 seven. Like I am that person when I have to be, but like, when I'm home with my family. Like I'm the biggest sissy dude. Like my kids are just, they just straight disrespect me. You know what I mean? this just, uh, I just is how it is. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it is different. It's way different. And it, it, like when we're fighting in the octagon, this isn't a life or death situation, you know, like, could it be, I guess, you know, if you really wanted to, to dig deep in the weeds, but like, you know, I woke up out of a deep sleep to a psychopath in my house and like ran into the dark expecting to die. Like there's, there's shit that goes with that in your in your brain, you know, like, some of it you can twist it into a positive and some of it you can, you, you can't, but like in a, in, in in a, in a span of seven minutes, I ran into the dark expecting to not run out of it and expecting to die. And then made a decision that I was going to kill a man in my living room. Like I had to make that decision on the fly. Like, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you have to like mentally prepare yourself. I have to, I have to plunge this balloon into his neck because he has someone else here that's going to hurt my family and I can't fight them both. Like it's a fucking crazy place to be mentally where you're like, you've made amends with it and like justified it in your head. Like I have to do this. And fortunately my wife says, just wait, you know, like, no, 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 no. Wait. If the other guy comes, then you do what you got to do. But like, in that moment that's where i was like so i ran in ready to die and then ended up five minutes or three minutes later ready to kill a man like shit just doesn't go away when he gets arrested and it's in cuffs and and then and then we all just get back in bed and go and go to sleep it doesn't work like that you know so like like again like i said you can you can twist some of it and and make some of it positive in your head uh you know that that all right that's cool like Everyone has a fight or flight response, and you never, you can never actually know what that response is going to be until you're faced to that moment. And, and I guess we found out what mine is, and, and I'm proud of the fact that I ran into the fire uh, for my family and, and not away from it. But at the end of the day, it, you know, <laughs> it mess with your head.
0: Yeah, I'm thankful I've never had to encounter a situation like that. And I'm, again, I'm really sorry that you did. Uh, and just on a human level, to see John Jones kind of take a shot at you. Especially after what happened last year, when you probably could have walked away with the title had you not decided to continue in that fight, there was no real bad blood between the two of you. I don't understand why he would do it. Why he would do that? Why he would say that? I I was very uh, disappointed when I saw that.
4: Yeah, and and again, man, I'm not surprised that 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 he said something the way that he said it or whatever you know. And, but like I said, you know, on my you know on my on my own radio show, John's never cursed me personally before we've never had any real heat. Like, have I said things that he doesn't like? For sure. For sure. But it's, it's, it's my analysis of the situations in his career and that's what my job is. Uh, so it is what it is, man. I'm not, I'm not surprised by that. And I'm not even, it's not like he showed me a, a side of him that I didn't know, <laughs> you know, like I just can't believe he, I just wasn't expecting him to use that moment to do it. And, and, You know, it is what it is. He's got his own demons he's got to deal with, and and if it means he's gonna attack me, I I think that he showed his true colors to a lot of people. Uh, Because I don't, I don't, I don't come at anybody, man. I like, I really think that people see him and say, well, if he's gonna like, I I do like Anthony, who doesn't mess with anybody. I keep to myself and my own business. I probably do say things that people don't like, but it's it's a straight down the middle analysis of your fighting style. It's critiques of your career and, and, and in your abilities, but I've never attacked, I've never attacked John personally. And if anything, I put myself in the fire for John, uh, and, and, and brought up my own issues in saying, I'll never talk about John's personal issues because I've had my own. And that does that, you know, you can't throw stones if you live in a glass house, like just because my life is good now and I got my shit together now doesn't mean that when I was in my early twenties uh, that I wasn't an idiot. Uh, and you know, that's so, I don't know. It's weird, man. And it's, it, but it's not surprising.
0: Glover to on Wednesday, what do you think is the biggest uh, threat that he poses to
4: you? Oh, uh, he just, he, he, he's just good everywhere. You know, he's just, first of all, I really like Glover to Like he is one of the good guys in, in this game. Still, like I, I have so much respect for him. Uh and I'm not sure if you've heard the story before, but Glenn helped me when I was a nobody. When I had my USC debut in 2013, I blew my knee in Fortaleza, Brazil. Uh got cut immediately after that one fight. Uh and had to travel back to the United States uh by myself because my co- coaches and corners their flights were like a week later. Uh and I so I was, with, I was by myself. Two roller bags, a backpack, a carry-on trying to navigate I'd never been out of the country before That was my first time trying to navigate my way through an airport uh that I didn't speak the la- I didn't speak the language I couldn't read it I didn't like it's totally different uh and Glover helped me through the airport he helped me on the plane he even helped me get food like at one of the little shops once we got through customs and all that stuff like and ordered my food for me because I didn't speak Portuguese and he didn't have to do that in 2013 Glover was on top of the world he was he was a killer uh, and he was, it was one of the most popular light heavyweights out at the time. And he didn't, he, he didn't have to help me. You know, I was a nobody, and there's no reason he had to do that. And he did. Uh, and I've always, I've always remembered that. And I've, I, and I've always respected him for it. And and just the way he's carried himself, like the last time I seen Glover, we had a beer together. You know, like he's he's a he's just a good dude. So, anyways, off that soapbox, I guess. Uh, he's dangerous everywhere. He's, he's got super heavy hands. His, his jujitsu, I, th- I think everyone knows that. That he's his grappling is is extremely dangerous. Uh, he can wrestle, uh, he, and he's just gritty. You know, he just finds a way to win, uh, and he showed that in his last three fights that that he still got it. And and despite his age, uh, he he can still evolve and, and change the way that he approaches these fights and get wins over tough dudes. Krylov and Kupilava, those are two goddamn good wins uh, over two guys that not a lot of people want to fight.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Glover also helping out with the, uh, the pandemic in Brazil uh, due to Santana, who's in the UFC. Uh, he helped out with some of her causes. He, he is, a, you know, just like, like you said, one of the good guys in the sport. Uh, so it's going to be two of the good guys in the sport yourself, Glover, to Cheryl Wednesday, uh, the main event, UFC fight night uh, in Jacksonville. Thanks for your time, Anthony. I really appreciate
4: it. Hey, you take care of yourself, man. And stay safe.
0: We're now joined by the lone Canadian on the UFC 249 card. It's Sarah Morris. So, Sarah, you're eligible to compete on this card because you're actually living in Las Vegas.
2: Yeah, yeah, I've been here for about two years now.
0: Yeah, so I guess you kind of luck out because the Canadians right now are kind of in limbo. Everybody who's in Canada, due to the travel restrictions, it'll make it very difficult for them to be able to compete.
2: Yeah, I was I was debating whether to go back to Canada or not when all this went down, when the borders were starting to shut. But I decided to stay just in case. Um, UFC decided to stay in the U.S., so I'm glad I'm here still.
0: What were your family encouraging you to do?
2: Uh, Pretty much to go home.
0: <laughs> so you went with your gut. You said, you know, I, th- I think I'm going to get a chance to compete. I have something lined up. I don't want to uh, relinquish that.
2: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Plus, like, I moved out here. So all my stuff is out here. My cats are out here. Um, it would be really difficult for me to go back. Um, and then just not know when I'd be able to come back here with everything still being here.
0: So what's the plan in terms of getting to Jacksonville for this event?
2: Um, I think that they're flying us, so I guess hopping on a plane or two to get there and hoping that no one's sick on the plane.
0: So they're chartering a jet, I guess, for the fighters from Vegas?
2: Um, I'm I think they're just booking regular flights as far as I know.
0: Okay. When you said they were flying you, I got I got a little bit confused. I figured they must must have access to some sort of jets here, but I know that the airlines are still operating.
2: Yeah yeah they are as of as of right now at least
0: your opponent's Jara eubank she moved up from the flyweight division now she's at that 135 do you think you're gonna have a pretty good size advantage over her in this fight
2: um i know i'm taller than her um i'm guessing she'll be maybe a little more bulky than me i'm sure she's probably put on size to um make it a little more comfortable for her to be at 35 rather than 25 but um i I'm ready for her to be smaller than me for her to be bigger than me. I don't care. I'm ready
0: what's it like to have your bouts pretty much canceled and then back on and then cancelled and uh not knowing where it's gonna be? What kind of a roller coaster is that for you?
2: um I've kind of been joking that it's been like when I was on tough because like they started out with like, oh there's gonna be no crowd. I'm like, oh, that's like tough, but then tough was actually like um. If we win, you're going to fight first. And then we won. And then they didn't pick me to fight first. And then they're like, you'll fight next time. And then I didn't fight next time. And then it went like four or five weeks before I actually fought. So this kind of like is bringing me back to tough days.
0: And I mentioned, uh, sorry, I read in an article that you'd mentioned that, uh, training, I guess in, in your, at your house is reminding you of when you first started out in MMA and you were training out of a garage. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, one of the first gyms I trained at uh, was in our coach's garage. So, yeah, similar to that, but I feel like I'm a lot more skilled than I was then.
0: So this is basically just taking you back to your tough roots and your uh, your original MMA roots.
2: Yeah, it's like, yeah, my whole career is getting flashed before my eyes right now, it seems.
0: (laughs) So uh, when it comes to uh, this particular matchup with Eubanks, what do you think is the biggest uh, threat that she poses to you?
2: Um, I think she's gonna come out strong in the first round Um, and I think she's she's got muscle I think she's got a hard overhand right Um, so I'm expecting a lot of power especially at the beginning
0: what sort of precautions uh, are you aware of that the UFC have been taking in terms of the athletes uh, going into Jacksonville where are you guys gonna be staying how much detail do you have so far
2: Um, I pretty much just got an email yesterday specifying some of it, um, saying that they're going to specify even more once we're there. Um, so far I'm being told we'll get tested daily while we're there or medical screened or something along those lines, um, daily. And it looks like the hotel will just be for fighters and corners and UFC staff, I think.
0: How many concerns did you have, I guess, about that, about what the protocol was going to be about, where you were staying? Or are you just so focused on on the bout that you don't really care that much about all of those other things? You're just hoping that they're going to do the right thing.
2: Um, I'm an overthinker, so I definitely think about everything. Um, Yeah, I guess I've had concerns about it. It looks like they're trying to do the best that they can do. Um, And I guess we'll just see what happens.
0: So do you have a lot of nerves then for this fight as opposed to different ones just because of the outside factors
2: uh, I in a way like especially like when I was supposed to fight earlier because there was so much more up in the air, going to California was um a bigger hot spot, and there was also like a lot more rules with the governor involved, so it seemed it seemed like a lot more up in the air and a lot more cutting corners than this is this at least. From what I'm told is, like, the governor's involved and everyone's okay with it. And I don't know. I I've, I've, I, guess I've come through it all. And now I'm just, I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to get it over with. I'm ready to eat. I'm ready to get that win.
0: Do you, be, do you like yeah. being an overthinker? Because at least every scenario that you think about, you, you have a chance to kind of confront it, talk yourself through it and then i guess come up with a a solution for how things are going to play out does that help you at all
2: yeah i think so i i like to be prepared for everything so yeah i think about everything every situation every outcome and how i'd handle everything and then um when it when it actually comes up um i'm usually prepared for worst case scenario although that doesn't usually happen so I'd rather be prepared for the worst and it not be the worst than not think about it and then not know what to do when <laughs> shit hits the fan.
0: What kind of involvement uh, does USADA have in all of this?
2: Um, I've only seen like probably what you've seen online that they're gonna try and be there for it or something. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not totally sure.
0: Would you like to see them more involved, or do you just think this is a rare circumstance where perhaps you know they they need to step away from this, let let the events happen, and then once things get a little bit more normal, they can resume uh, what they're doing in terms of testing and random testing.
2: Um, I, I guess I see both sides of it. Um, a lot of these people that test us with USADA are, I think, they're all nurses. Um, so I do see that they could probably be better used in other situations, but at the same time, I think people that cheat are gonna use any advantage so that they can. So um, if they're unable to test or if they let people know that they're unable to test, I think a lot more people are gonna start using banned substances.
0: Yeah, it certainly is a unique circumstance. Uh, well, Sarah, thanks for this, I appreciate it. And uh, best of luck against Sujara Eubanks, UFC 249, the only Canadian representing the Great White North on the card.
2: Thank you.